how was Ghana? Oh, it was great. Yes. I really enjoyed Yes. Beautiful weather. Uh-huh. Good people, good food. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is so nice. Yeah, yeah. So yes. It was real nice. That's good. And um, what's going on in Ghana these days? Well, they're progressing. Oh yes. Yes. Because they used to be one of they were used they, they were colonized by the by Europe. Yes. Yeah, British. By yes. the British, yes, just like Jamaica. Yeah. You uh, from Jamaica? I'm from Jamaica. Yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. We got a lot of Jamaicans in Ghana, you know. Yes. Yes. Really? What's what's what are they doing in Ghana? What's going on there? What like um, what's, I well, didn't know well, that. Well, you know, there's a lot of right black Americans the there too. Yes. Ah. Yeah. Where they how they ended up there when they were part part of the um the African for African talk and stuff. Right. right. And, and they have a lot of businesses there too. Ah. Okay. Okay. How long have you been here? How long have you been living in the U.S.? Who, me? Yes. Oh, 50 years. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that is a long time. Yes. I came wow. Here I, I came here when I was a kid. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. That was, you came here in, nine, in 1973. Yeah, 73. Wow. Even before I was born. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> What was life? I mean, you. I mean, you. Were, and how old are you now? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, what was your question? You must have seen life. Um, the changes, the progression of life. I oh yeah, yeah. I remember uh, years ago. You know, working it was two dollars an hour. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you were doing good. You yes, know? yes. Two dollars could do a lot. Yes, two dollars an hour. Yes, yes. That wasn't bad. <laughs> oh, wow, wow. Yes, yes. I understand what you mean. Yep. Today is totally different. Yes. Welcome to another episode of the Nilibur Round Podcast. That was just David an old University of Penn alumni from Ghana. This episode is entitled My Drive with David, an old University of Penn alumni from, from Ghana. You see, I had a drive some time ago with David, who is originally from Ghana and attended the University of Pennsylvania in the early 2000s. He has been living in the US since 1973, since he was a boy. He talked briefly about the experience of being the only black student in classes back then and how he was seen as provocative or a provocateur as he challenged the material and his professors. He reminisced about the days when $2 per hour was enough. He reported that Ghana was progressing since their independence from the Brits and that many Jamaicans and African Americans who live here, many African Americans currently reside, at, currently reside and have business in Ghana. We also talked about the difficulty that many black academics and professionals from Ivy League schools 
or with advanced degrees have in terms of accessing jobs or navigating the professional and career world. We raised the question why it seems that very educated black men experience discrimination even within predominantly black industries and workplaces. I shared a personal story of the difficulties I had working in New York as a junior executive within a predominantly white Jewish environment and later being turned down by a social service agency in Philadelphia because the hiring manager thought I was too educated and shouldn't be applying there. And of course, that wasn't Jewish, that was a predominantly black um, industry. Now, I learned that they don't even care to review or interview these individuals as, they, as the attitude is to indicate no response on their applications. We then discussed the issue of violence and a recent article I wrote entitled What Will End Violence? available in the neoliberal journals of the neoliberal corporation Moral Magazine website at https colon forward slash forward slash theneoliberal.com. We have a poll question and a discussion question that you can participate in that's associated with this podcast. The poll is available via our Spotify platform and we'll have it and we will do one for for LinkedIn, Reddit and on Twitter. But the the poll question is this, in what year did Ghana become a republic? A. Is it 1957? B. Is it 1958? C. Is it 1960? Or D. Is it 1854? Again, in what year did Ghana become a republic? 1957, 1958, 1960, or 1874? And this is the second question. This is not a poll question. This is a free question. The question is, what is affecting black graduates from Ivy League colleges in accessing certain jobs and working in particular areas? Again, what is affecting black graduates from Ivy League colleges in accessing certain jobs and working in particular areas? So you can participate by going on the Spotify platform community page, or you can go to our Twitter platform, Ronaldo McKenzie, or LinkedIn. We will we will put up put one up there shortly. Reverend Ronaldo McKenzie, Reverend Dash Ronaldo Dash C Dash McKenzie, I believe it is, and also um, it it will be available. Um, in Reddit, we will do one shortly. Um, just so you know, just we're going to continue with the discussion I have with the drive I had with Mr. with David talking about several different issues. This podcast episode is available on Anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, The Audible, Amazon Alexa, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podvine, P Adverb, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, and RonaldoCMcKenzie.com, and also. TheNeoLibro.com. Subscribe for free on any stream and donate to us at anchor.fm slash This podcast is created and hosted by Ronaldo McKenzie, yours truly, author of Neoliberalism, Globalization, Income Inequality, Poverty and Resistance, adjunct professor at the Jamaica Theological Seminary and doctoral student at Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Ronaldo is working on several book projects and journals, including Neoliberal Globalization Reconsidered, an academic textbook, and Reimagining Peoples Within Critical Race Theory, Not Thinking Race, but Moving Away from a Victim Approach to a Hero Approach. And of course, 
the final project, the Caribbean Thought Journal of Lectures, towards developing a Caribbean Thought Academic Journal. Visit us at thenilbo.com. Telephone us at 267-317-9202. Email us at renaldocmckenzie at gmail.com. renaldomckenzie at icloud.com. renaldo.mckenzie at jts.edu.jm or info at thenilliberal.com. Follow us on Twitter at Ronaldo McKenzie or The Neil Liberal Call. So on and so forth. Now, let's get back to the, to, the, to the exciting drive and conversation I was having with David, an old UPenn alumni from Ghana. He lives currently in Philadelphia. Here is the story. Georgetown, but um, Georgetown, 
Off where? Oh my god. Oh wow. That is amazing. So you, you, oh, good stuff we're talking about. Oh my, why did you, when you wanted, okay, when you went to Penn, you must wanted a few. You must be, must have been considered. Yeah, a lot of time I was the only guy in there. Yes. Were there any black people there? That's what I'm trying to I heard say. that one time they had a sit in. Were you part of that group? No, no, no. Double <laughs> EV, the boys, and stuff. But did you hear that they had a sit in, the students? Yeah. Oh my god, that was crazy. Yes, I went to Penn in 2010. That's how I ended up in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. And I stayed in Philadelphia. Uh, I love Philadelphia. Steven Steinberg, yeah. Philippe Bourgeois. I guess none of you, I guess those those people are your youngsters. You call them your youngsters, probably. Yeah. Oh wow, that's great. A fellow, a pet. I think they have a, did they have some kind of homecoming recently? I think they did. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> what was it like? What was it? What was it like? How long ago you went to Penn? Like twenty years ago? Uh, what's that? Uh, I finished in two thousand four. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's a long time. So I was here two thousand. Yeah, yeah. Very few African, not many African Americans. That's nice. That's that's how. Okay, that's good. Did you how? What was your experience like? When what happened when you were when you got there? Now, did, what did you do? Well, like I said, most of the time I was the only black guy in the class. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? I had a good, I had a good experience. Yeah. You know, uh, I was more. I don't know. Most uh, of my classes. Uh, I was challenged in a lot. <laughs> yes. 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 That, you know, that, I guess that's how I do a lot of that too, because of, because we are post-colonial subjects. Yeah. You know, and I read Franz Fanon, Obi Baba, B.S. Nepal, but you know, I'm from Jamaica, and when I came here and I'm like, I started to study society and then experience it, and I'm like, wow. You know, you are woken, you, you are woken. I mean, some things, you know, but when I come here, it's just like, I just discover a lot more things. Yes. The bureaucracy. Right. I now understand people like Michael Manley. Like I never, I was never a fan of Michael Manley and um, the, the socialist movement in Jamaica. But now I know why. You know, when you, <laughs> you know, I guess you see the bureaucracy. I see, for example, they had independence and globalization. Yeah. But that never benefited us. 
well, then you see the corruption back in your own country because they made deals yeah. with, yeah. The, with people. Yeah. They make big houses and they go travel to Paris and Miami and stuff. But yes, yeah, so people who are, we are, and we are thinkers and we see the BS in society. Right, exactly. And so we, <laughs> and then they call you disruptors. They call me disruptors. <laughs> Anarchists, radicals. Radical, yeah. Yeah, they, you know? Like one of the books, I wrote a book on globalization. Oh, really? Yes, and um, I'm writing another book, and I do a lot of writing. I write at academia.edu. I do, re- I, do re- I do a lot of writing. I write, 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 and I teach a class. I have a class. And I'm interviewing John Castro, who is running for president later on this evening. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I do a lot, you know, different things. You know, I do Uber. I, love, I do Uber because I like to do Uber. I, I mean, yeah. I can do something else, but. I decided that I, will, I like my independence and my freedom and I get to meet a lot of people and I can still make money and support my business now I pay I don't get I do everything from my own pocket okay yes yeah, so that's why I'm transferring from Georgetown it was too expensive man yeah so I work hard in my way so that I can say what I can say and do what I do and say oh you cannot be on Twitter you can't say this you can't talk about this you know what I mean yeah, like, uh-huh. it was it was difficult for me when I was um, you know when you're educated they have Ivy League education and you work some places you're like oh why every time you get a job they either don't they do not review your then I was trying to work at PHMC you know, I'm gonna tell you something. This is quite. I did. I should have talked about this on my podcast. But I was. I. I learned that the supervisor or the hiring manager does not look at does not look at your resume no. if you come from an Ivy League school. Yes, and I got that from good sources. When I tell you, I know what I'm. T- I, I'm telling you that there are people hiring managers. Okay who work at some of these social service agencies who don't think that people that go that people that graduate from Ivy League colleges should apply there they're like oh why are they, why, why, why are they applying here and then what they put oh no response no and they write on the application no no response because by right the law fear law said that you ought to look at everybody I used to be an HR manager so. yeah but what they do is like oh he should be working here now and no. what's the rationale? Well, I understand that they think that um, those persons are gonna. Do the, I mean, well, he, they have an Ivy League education. Why do coming work if you go somewhere else? <laughs> you know, you have an Ivy League education as a black man. You don't. You should be working here. Work somewhere. Well, and then you go somewhere else to say you don't fit. You still don't fit. You just like you don't fit anywhere. But you know, I worked as an executive in New York. It was the worst time of my life. Fight me down because I'm too, too smart. Okay, I'm too brilliant. I'm not supposed to talk. I said you have you hire an Ivy League guy who's very smart to come here, mm-hmm. but I shouldn't talk. I shouldn't have an opinion. I should just work. And then I'm supposed to be the head of the department, in the chief planner. But yet still, uh, they just want you to work because you know the system. They just, they just, they want, they just want to be able to use you, right. but you should not have an opinion. You should not have an opinion. And but that's one of the main reasons why I was pushed out of this company where I was and I decided not to I'm not working for anybody else I'm gonna work for myself. So I started my own company, the Neoliberals. 
It's a digital think tank, digital company mm-hmm. you know, I'm working it and hopefully we can develop it. But you know, I write a book and I'm working on another book and I'm working on another book and then another academic journal with a professor in research that used to teach me at Penn, Martin Oppenheimer. Um, you might know him. He's writing about Marxism about the state of modern America. Helping me yes, as, yes. A, as, a, as, a, as a black man, as a vulnerable man, he's helping me, <laughs> mentoring me, make, you know, I like, yeah, me tell him, I give God thanks for that guy, you know, he, a gentleman, he, see this Caribbean guy come up in here trying to make a, a name for himself yeah. in academia, and I am, I'm trying to be a, a professor here in the US, trying to be write books and to contribute to thought and thinking and mm-hmm. that's what I, I love that. that's what I write and I do a lot of podcasting and I'm very involved I know a lot of people I'm in fraternity Phi Beta Sigma but and so I'm but I'm very I think differently I'm very strategic I'm right. extremely strategic I do Uber and I was an Ivy League and I did my doctor why I'm very strategic because as a, I don't think like a, I'm a black man from, from I'm, I'm an immigrant who I you have to be creative and I wasn't born in wealth. So yeah, so I was going to have to do Uber, but guess what I've learned? That Uber is an amazing opportunity. I write a book, then I publish my stuff, give up my cards. I meet so many people. Doing Uber is one of the best things that an academic could do. We're struggling to, because a lot of academics, the academics right now, they're not making much money. But I'm telling you, that's why I like to do Uber because I'm also sharing ideas, I'm learning about people, learning from people, sharing my websites, my feeds, I give them my business card and I'll give you my business card as well. And then, you know, look at my stuff and share it. And it's, all my stuff is free, except my book. <laughs> and it's an audible and stuff. And I do a lot of different things as I try to, and I'm trying to contribute to thought, and I, because I think we should write our own history, we should write our history, for, or people will write it for you. Uh, you don't want people writing it for Right. <laughs> so, yes, I'm a it, big... It's going to be their perspective. Yes, 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 that is true. You know, you see what's going on, and um, by the way, you see all this violence going on? Mm-hmm. This morning I woke up news in North Carolina. Yeah three dead or something like that and it was 11 california Ele- now it's 11 first we heard it was 10 now it's 11 yes it was yeah. crazy yes and um and i think there was 10 that was injured and they were sent home three and there were seven that were still in the hospital mm. from that monterey park killing yeah and i mean it's just then the six-year-old boy Six-year-old boy kill his teacher, mm. <laughs> and then a seventy-two-year-old man kill all. Of, I mean, violence does not escape no one. No. Ah, uh, especially in this, I say in this world, and I, and I wrote an article yesterday in my website called "What Will End Violence?" What will end violence? And I say to you, and I say in the paper, I said. The colonized man psych or mind has been so damaged that he cannot conceive of anything better. Because when I talked to I remember I had several people in my in the car 
nice and they're talking about you know um the, the, can violence end they said no violence will never end that's a utopia and i'm like yes karl marx is talking about utopia people who talk about utopia they see them as weird they say that's that's not part of human nature humans can't violence is part of us but you know why that thinking exists so that people can continue so that people can be complicit in yeah. accepting the violence done to them yes. and and people can continue the violence done to people that's why people have that kind of you know what i mean yeah people have nonchalant attitude about violence yes yes Yes, and that's where that's where I ended up saying, of course, we tread in violence. It is by learning from what Jesus did. Love, I love, which means we have to sacrifice now. And I said, so, so the answer is charity. We have to love, which, and then Jesus showed us how we must love, which is to sacrifice. Yeah. But the thing is, none of us will budge. <laughs> None of us must know sacrifice is too much. Give up our pleasures, yeah. our fame, our privileges, our position. No, people have a problem with that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that is, uh, you know, and I said to people, that is even, is the hallmark of liberty. Yes, sir. I'm being talking to I used to be a pastor, so. Absolutely. Oh, okay. I'm an ordained minister. Yes. Sunday all from five all the way till six or seven in the morning on Monday. So and then I was still up all day Monday. Then I finally went to bed at ten o'clock on Tuesday. So I didn't do it. I was working, you know, writing a lecture. I teach a class from six to nine. Okay. And I've been working on the lecture and then cursing the students out because they just don't do any. I don't know what's going on with this. I just don't. I just do not know what's going on with the students today. What school do you teach? Well, I teach Jamaica Theological Seminary. Okay. It's a seminary um, on the island of Jamaica, but I teach online. Okay. But it's still face to face, but it's via the Zoom portal. Right. And then we do a lot of online stuff. And I'm like, oh, we make classes. The lectures are even available on video, on Zoom. Oh, they have so much, and they complain they still can't find materials. And I'm like, this is the 21st century. Mm-hmm. And the students are complaining that they can't find material. Yeah. That is not true. They yeah. can't find material because they don't want to. They, they just didn't have time to read. Nobody read. Yeah. Nobody read at all. They're just not reading. So I'm like, ugh. So how many students did you teach? They're 25. Yeah, it's a big class. Yeah. Uh, this is my third time teaching this course. It's called Caribbean Thought. And I've been taught by, um, there's only two other professors that ever, it's a new course that has never been taught before mm. uh, until 2006, 2019 was when it was introduced. And I became one of the best person to write about it because I studied that at Penn. Yeah. Yes. 
post-colonial thought and it, um, from an interdisciplinary lens, utilizing liberal arts and liberal studies. Mm-hmm. Yes, and um, I really enjoyed it. It was powerful. Uh, it was Rita Bernard introduced me to life, to the video "Life and Death in a Small Place." Love that. Um, and that was yes. Right, it says make a uh, right. right in front. Thank you so much. It was refreshing and indeed a pleasure. (laughs) Yes, I really enjoyed the ride. Yes, and I'm coming around to open your door. Yeah, 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 I have it. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate that. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Nailu Burround Podcast. Coming up on Thursday is the interview. The interview with Brian Konkanen, the Executive Director of the Institute for Democracy and Justice in Haiti. He will join us. We will have the show available probably that evening or sometime in the morning on Friday after we have edited it. It will be available via audio, our audio stream. It will also be available in video via our YouTube channel, The Neighbor by Ronaldo. And it will be available um, also in terms of the transcripts later on when I have time to write the transcript. I have several tra- transcripts to release of interviews, the one with Mr. Castro, of course, and the one about period poverty. I did regarding ending period poverty with Shelley and Weeks of the Herflow Foundation. I have another interview that I did with um, Dr. Andre Isaacs, um, who is an associate professor in chemistry at the College of the Holy Cross. We have to we have to do the transcripts and release them in the Nilobo journals. That will be available when we all of those transcripts will be available. And um, just so you know, oh, Caribbean thought the summary, you, the summary of Caribbean thought will be available this evening, probably within the hour. It's been uploaded. So usually I do a three and a half hour lecture on from six to nine. Um, and then I do a public, a couple of days later, I do a video and a podcast, audio podcast, summarizing the main arguments, the main concepts in that Caribbean thought class. This part, this, this summary, the last class was very powerful. That's available already on here on the Nilupo Round and our feeds and so on and so forth. You can visit the Nilupo and get all of that. That's available. The, the three and a half hour, but the, but the, but the summary was also powerful. The summary. I, I summarized the main argument and I added additional comments. So, and that one is available in video. Um, but this is the Nilo Burma podcast. Thank you so much for supporting us. We continue to grow, and um, we continue to 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 make popular what was the monopoly because that's the aim of communication, and that's what we were about as a as a think tank, digital media research company that is serving the world today to solve tomorrow's challenges. And of course, the question is, in what year did Ghana become a republic? Answer? It was not 1957. In 1957, Ghana became independent. Independent. But in 1960, they became a republic. And of course, in 1874, that was when British declared um, declared Ghana or the, gold, the British, the Gold Coast, 
or uh, the British Gold Coast or a British colony. So that's the answer. This is the Nailable Round. Please subscribe for free on any platform and donate to us at anchor.fm slash the neoliberal slash support. What good? Thank you.